0: Amen. Thank you, for the Dan. The title of our lesson, I'm a little bit, little bit confused. It says, when God suffered for us, I thought Jesus suffered. Oh, thank you, Dan. He, he is and he is God, okay? Jesus was God. Also, I couldn't help but notice, go back to the title again, Jason, on your uh, PowerPoint there. Uh, now, my uh, quarterly is printed in black and white. and uh, But I noticed the title there uh, on our PowerPoint uh, the word suffered in what color? Red. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Right? Amen. He suffered. For us. And Dan, you're right. He is and he was God. And the theme that today is uh, suffering of Christ. Our objective is to uh, love and to serve Christ because of what he has done for us. I still stand amazed what Christ has done for us. Brother Paul and I were talking at the hospital one day this week, uh, and we were sharing, we both agreed, we were still overtaken by the fact what Jesus did for us as sinners. He took our place, and we we certainly want to rejoice over that, but also love and serve Him because of what He has done. We'll be in the Gospel of St. Mark chapter 14, our text will begin in verse 32, down to verse 65. We have three uh, key truths. Number one, uh, Christ was willing to suffer to accomplish the Father's will. Number two, Christ suffered when his friends betrayed him and abandoned him. And number three, uh, Christ suffered when people lied about him and beat him. Under our Bible basics this morning, our question is, what is the Lord's uh, last supper? What does that mean? This is your time to interact, okay? What what does that mean? Remember what? (laughs) You're right to remember, okay? Uh, It's interesting, We Lord's Supper, Communion, some call it the Eucharist, the Lord's Table. uh, You know, a lot of different terms for that. But it's really, it is to remember. It's a memorial to celebrate the death of Jesus Christ for us. He died for sinners. And, of course, we partake of the bread and the juice, uh, and it represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I was taken aback this a week or two ago uh, when I heard a preacher tell it. I, I don't remember who it was I was listening to, but he made this comment. He said, we are never commanded in the Bible to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Isn't that true? But we are commanded to celebrate what? His death. And that's what the communion table is really all about. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me till I come again. And folks, the great news. Uh, of so many blessings we have of being a child of God. One of the blessings is one of these days, we're going to of that with Christ in heaven. What a glorious time that is going to be. Celebrating what Jesus Christ did on Calvary for us. So how does today's lesson fit? In the overall scope of God's word, uh, well, scholars believe that Mark wrote the gospel sometime between A.D. 55 and uh, 59, but the events that Mark is writing about after the fact took place in about A.D. Uh, 33. For I'll get started this morning, okay? Uh, you see a word on the, uh, on the PowerPoint. What does that word, uh, <laughs> what, what does that mean? Left alone, okay. Dan? Okay, all right. Uh, what, what, are, what, what are some examples of things we sometimes find abandoned in our world today? Oh, yeah, isn't that true? That's sad. Sure, children. I was watching an old episode of This Old House this past week, and uh, they were doing, back when they were helped doing some work in Detroit, and I think if I understood it right, there were over 30,000 houses abandoned at one time in the city of Detroit. Wow, you know, we see that happen. Not, not nearly as bad as children being abandoned, but we see that happen all the time. We see people uh, abandon a lot of things. And Dan, you mentioned uh, babies, buildings, sometimes spouses, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Now, my prayer would be that none of us here have ever been abandoned, but I think we would probably know uh, what you think it would feel like uh, to be abandoned by a friend. What would that feel like? We say hurt. What do you mean, Dan? Yeah. And what makes it double hurt? He's your friend. I never. I, my mind slipped me it's like what Psalm it was. But David wrote in one psalm, "We walked hand in hand to the house of God together," and he couldn't believe. The feeling that he had. Uh, wow. So it, it, it's a horrible thing to be abandoned by a friend or someone close to us. And so we know that in our world, sometimes villages are left behind or abandoned. Uh, people are left behind. But this morning, our topic is the fact that Jesus Christ, his closest friends uh, and followers, abandoned him when he was arrested. Now, we're in, in the Gospel of Mark, we already said that this morning, but uh, Mark has taken the time to document the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get to chapter 14, uh, we're in the final hours of the life of our Savior here on this earth. Uh, so, and again, Mark is the shortest, the shortest gospel, and so he has a lot of things packed, if you will in these verses in today's text. And please understand, Mark gives a lot of detail in these few verses in regard to the suffering Christ went through that we might have the gift of salvation. Our first key point is this, that Jesus was willing to suffer to accomplish the Father's will. And let me stop here before we read that. If you were here on Wednesday night, uh, we've been looking at the person of Christ, uh, how he was fully God and fully man. And we also discovered that As a man, he functioned as a man, as as the Savior deity. So the deity and man worked together. They were distinct, but they could not be separated. But also understand, as a man, Christ also had a will of his own. But it never went against the will of God. And we're going to see that play out this morning in our text. So let's read verses 32 through, through verse 42. Uh, thank you, Dan. I think most of us are familiar with this story. Uh, Christ had celebrated the Last Supper with the disciples, and the gospel recorded the fact when they were finished, they sang a hymn, and then they began the journey, the, the slow, the, the short walk to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, my question is, what is about to unfold in this text? He can be arrested and betrayed. My, that must have surprised Jesus. What do you mean, no, Wayne? He knew exactly what was going to happen. Now remember, uh, Mark was not one of the original twelve, and most scholars believe that Mark wrote his gospel, of course, inspired by the Spirit of God, but based on the testimony of Peter. But nonetheless, Mark is sharing uh, what Peter had revealed to him about this particular night. But we also need to understand, and you're right, Wayne, Christ was not caught off guard. He was not surprised. In fact, if anyone was born to die, who was? Jesus was. And every day he lived, from the time of his birth, every day the shadow of the cross loomed over his life. The fact of the matter we know from Scripture, Isaiah in chapter fifty three prophesied about it that he was going to die for the sins of the people. When Peter preaches in the book of Acts in chapter two, he reminds them in chapter four again that they crucified Christ, but it because it was the counsel and the will of God. They weren't they were certainly played a part, but this had been the will of God. From eternity. So we have to understand. It has always been God's purpose. Once man sinned. well, Let me back up from the foundation of the world. That God would send his son. To die for our sins. So that being said. Knowing that like you said Wayne. Christ wasn't taken by surprise. He knew it. So therefore it had to be easy for him to do it. No it wasn't easy. Not at all and i think it's important to understand well let me ask do you think this was a heavy burden on him yes it was in fact he staggered at the thought of what was going to happen he knew he was was going to bear the wrath of god he knew that he would die on a cross and for a moment be separated from perfect communion with the Father for the first time in eternity. And it wasn't easy for him to do. (laughs) Yes. He did ask. Now, also notice, he said, well, not my will, but your will. So again, two different wills there, but he never contradicted the will of God. But also understand, by Jesus' own words, he was distressed to the point of death. That's how heavy this burden was on him. Now, according to the Gospel of John, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane had become almost a regular meeting place for the disciples in Christ, uh, a time when they get along by themselves. Uh, and so he, he go, they go back there and Jesus tells the disciples to wait and he wants to go a little bit further and he wants to pray. He takes three disciples with him. Who does he take? The three he takes with him. Peter, James, and John. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting. He goes to pray. What do they do? They sleep. I know they were free will Baptists. <laughs> they had to be churches coming and we're going to sleep, right? <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, let's be honest, it's been a long day. Now, i got to confess, all right? I love church. And I love hearing preachers preach, even if it's not me, as long as they preach God's word. and But I remember back, and we, I've been blessed to have good pastors that could preach, all right? And I I remember sitting right there, and I didn't have to count my pew, I knew it was the second one back, Okay? Okay, Mike and Sandy, I knew where I was sitting. But anyway, uh, I'd sit there sometimes and fight to keep awake. Now, you don't need to confess, but you know you do too, all right? But the fact of them, it had been a long day for these guys. And remember, they were disciples, but they were also what? Human. And they were tired and they were weary. But they fell asleep. Now, by the way... It's tough, we know, it. because I, I, I believe the text indicates certainly Jesus said, you know, pray with me, you know, you know, bear with me here, but they didn't, okay? Anyway, so overcome, stay there, he said to James, Peter, and John, stay alert and keep watch. Now, again, he goes a little bit farther in from Peter, James, and John, and like you said, Wayne, what did he ask? If there's any other way, if there is any other way. Now, every time I read this particular uh, section of Scripture, whether it's in any of the Gospels about Jesus praying that, about the cup, if you remember when James and John asked about sitting, you know, either side of him in heaven, Jesus asked them a question. Are you willing to drink of the cup I'm willing to drink of? And what cup is he talking about? of dying okay if, he, if it comes uh, to that so he's talking about this cup is not a literal cup but i want to tell you it hurts worse right it was more painful he was speaking about his impending suffering and his death certainly probably including the wrath of god against sin that was poured out upon our savior while he was there on uh, the cross by the way, this is only the third time that Mark records Jesus praying. Doesn't mean it's only three times he did it, uh, but only three times Mark recorded it. I think back in chapter one and also uh, in chapter six. But a very important prayer as Christ was praying here that night. Now here's what's interesting, and Wayne, you've already said it correctly. So he prayed, "Lord, not my will, but what? But Your will." So whose will was Christ committed to? God's will. He was totally committed to the will of God. Now, remember, we talked about this Wednesday night. He was distinct from the Father, his will was, but it was not contrary to the will of God. Nowhere was it, was not even here as he prayed this night before uh, the crucifixion. But nonetheless, in very much anguish uh, and, and uh, distress, almost to the point of death, In fact, one of the Gospels says he prayed so hard that his blood, I mean, his sweat fell like great drops of blood. Now, I don't think, I'm not sure that he sweated blood. That's debatable, but it's just showing how hard and fervently he prayed. So, uh, I want to say today, I don't think Jesus prayed one of the now lay me down to sleep prayers, do you? He agonized. He agonized over the impending trials and suffering he was going through. That's interesting. Mark writing the gospel sort of as a after the fact, of course. He names Peter and James and John as the ones Jesus chose. But it's interesting when Jesus speaks, he didn't call Peter Peter, he calls him Simon. That's the first time he used that Word for Peter, since he called Peter as one of the apostles back in Mark chapter 3. But it's interesting, Jesus had asked Peter and James and John to watch and pray, and what did they do? Fell asleep. Now, again, even in his anguish, he had compassion. And he says, I know the Spirit is willing taking to Peter, but I also know your flesh is weak. Now remember, what did Peter say about denying the Lord earlier that night? What did he say about that? I'll never do. They may all, but Lord, here I am. I, you know, write my name down. I'm not going to do it. Now, did Peter meant what he said? Sure he did. So his spirit's willing, even here. That's why Jesus, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is is weak. And here's the thing we need to realize. And not not only does this apply to Peter, but it applies to us. No No matter how honorable our motive might be, no matter how pure our motives might be, sometimes it's difficult physically to hold up under. And that's where Peter was. And Jesus knew that exactly. And so, anyway, this happens three times. He goes to pray, comes back, and he wakes the disciples from their sleep. But the third time, what's he say to them? Who's coming? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know he was there, Dan? He didn't see him? He's God the Christ man, the God man. A betrayer is at hand. I'm wondering if Jesus thought, well, I wonder who that guy is. No, he knew. He knew exactly who the betrayer was. Let's apply it. Submit to the will of God, no matter the cost. Now, i got to tell you, folks, that was so easy for me to read that to you this morning. But is it easy to do? No. It is not Easy to do. All right, Jesus prayed, "Lord, not my will, but Your will be done." So my question this morning for a way of discussion is: When is it difficult to submit to God's will? When is it difficult to submit to God's will? <laughs> Maybe not always, but I would say 99.9% of the time it might be right. Uh, How about when when we want something different? Does that make it difficult? Or how about when he's asking us to do something difficult? Not so easy to submit to the will of God when those things happen in our lives. So the question would be then, even when it's difficult to submit to the will of God, why should we still do it? When it's difficult to submit, why should we still submit to the will of God? Why? Say it again. Well, again, but again, even when it's difficult, why should we go ahead and submit to God's will? Yeah, why should we do it? Say it again. He asks us to, and guess what else? His will is best for us. It is the best. Thing for us for our good and for his glory so number one jesus our savior was willing to suffer to accomplish the father's will okay he did it for us key point number two jesus suffered when his friends betrayed and abandoned him somebody read verses 43 through 52 please
1: They knew what And as soon as he was gone, the master they let their hands on
0: Wow. In the previous verse, <clears throat> in the last part of our section, Jesus had told Peter, James, and John, let's go. A betrayer is at hand. In the very next verse, what happens? Here comes Judas. He's there. It's kind of interesting. Jesus said he's at hand and he was there. He is God. He knows everything. Uh, Wow. He knows everything about us. Everything that's going to happen. Christ does know it. He, by the way, when did he know it? (laughs) All the time. He knows it ahead of time, okay? And we know that Except for a few women and maybe even John, all of Christ's followers fled. What did Peter say I would never do? I won't do it. But they all did. But here's what's interesting who was the one who betrayed him? A disciple, Judas. Now, again, that didn't catch Christ's heart. We know that. But someone very close to him betrayed him. But please understand, it was all part of God's plan. Nothing by surprise. Nothing by accident. So I guess this is sort of a rhetorical question, but did Jesus experience the pain of being abandoned? Sure he did even by his closest friends. Those who said they'd give their life for him, ran. So here comes Judas. He has a group of soldiers. Some Jewish officials as well. They're carrying swords and clubs. And how many men did they come for? Just one. Just one. There would be 11 there, not counting Jesus. And... If the soldiers, you know, may not have known which one was Jesus, how were they gonna know? Ah, I'll kiss the one. And the strange thing is <laughs> Judas gave him that sign, and usually that was an action of affection and respect, but not that night. It was a sign of betrayal. The one whom I kiss. Now again, having read all the gospel accounts of this night, when Jesus approached the soldiers, they actually fell back originally. Not by command, but being in the presence of his power. But anyway, on that night, one one of the disciples, Mark doesn't name him. John says it was Peter, took out his sword and cut off one of the service high priests, cut off his ear. Now I heard one preacher say, he said Mark, I mean I'm sorry, Peter was a bad swordsman because he meant to cut his head off. I don't know if that's true or not. But he cut his ear off. Now another gospel writer tells him, what did Jesus do? He put it back on. And he told Peter, put your sword away. It's not time to fight. It's not time to fight. Now it's interesting. Would you agree that they were treating Christ like a, uh, an armed, dangerous criminal. And I mean, that came with swords and clubs. Meaning what? We're ready for what? Yeah, if we have to, you know, we're going to take you. In other words, you're leaving here tonight with us. We've come to get. Now, again, he never resists the arrest. But he does kind of. I don't know how how to say this. He does kind of stick a knife in her in her pride. He says, Look, I've been teaching in the temple all week long. Every day almost. And, and and you you could have arrested me on several occasions this past week in broad daylight. But they chose to do it when? What do you think that was, Dan? Ah, that's the key. They were cowards. They were cowards. Because they knew they did it in the daytime with people around. They had to fight more than Jesus, wouldn't they? All right? They were cowards. But again, remember, all of this that takes place was fulfilling the Scriptures. And Jesus submitted to their evil schemes now remember I think it was when Peter cut off the servant's ear I think the servant's name was Malchus Jesus told Peter hey Peter if I wanted to all I have to do is say the word and who's going to come twelve angels of angels I don't need your sword Peter but he didn't do that He didn't resist. Now, according to verse 50, everybody fled. Nobody. Not even Peter. Stayed there with Jesus. And Mark offers a other unknown tidbit of information. Said there's one fellow there who had a, I guess he came out so quick, had a sheet over him. And as he left, they tried to grab his sheet, and it pulled it off of him, and this guy ran home naked. Don't know why it's there, but most scholars would believe that Mark's writing about himself. Didn't name himself, but who else would have known it? Except Mark, to put it that way. But nonetheless, all this happened to fulfill the prophecies about Jesus Christ. So in application, we have to be prepared to stand alone for Christ. Now there's something I learned early on as a Christian. Even among Christian people, a lot of times when you stand for the principles of God's Word, you will stand alone. You don't know how many times I've had people say, well, what about, there's no what about it. If God's word says something is wrong, guess what? It's wrong. It's wrong for me. It's wrong for you. It's wrong for anyone. But the sad thing is, they left Christ all alone. So why is it difficult for us sometimes to follow our lord when those around us don't follow him why is it difficult that's it that's it yes absolutely can we call that the herd mentality then i don't know if that worked there or not but we want you know we don't want to be different we don't want to stand out uh you know we we don't uh want to feel pressure uh you know to to do what others are doing so sometimes it's difficult to fall in those situations have you ever been the only Christian in a certain situation certain group it's tough it is tough when I was in supervision at General Motors they were having some kind of a party it was a it happened to be a weeknight. And I think it was a Wednesday night. And uh, I don't remember how they put it, but they said, you, you all have to be there. And so, I, I, of course, I knew the uh, superintendent of the paint department. knew him for years, and I went up to him, and I said, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rebellious. I can't come. And he asked me why. I said, well, number one, there would be, be a lot of drinking and carousing going on. I don't want to be part of it. Number two, it's a church night. And uh, I said, I'm sorry, but you know, I just I've got to stand by my principles. And uh, I didn't do the job. I thought maybe I might, but uh, it didn't matter. I want to stand what I think Christ wants me to do. So number one, Christ is willing to suffer for us to do God's will. Number two, He suffered even when His friends betrayed Him and left Him. Number three. He suffered when people lied about him and beat him. Anybody want to read verse 53 to 65, please? And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off. "...even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death, and found how many? None. For many bare false witness against him, but the witness agreed not together." And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another temple made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst And asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Notice this, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, What? I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? Ye, and they all condemned him to be guilty of death and some began to spit on him to cover his face to buffet him and to say to him prophesy and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands they take him from Gethsemane and he goes what will be the first trial of the night three were religious three were civil <laughs> you know these Pharisees were so intent on crossing every T and dotting every I but the law says you cannot hold a trial at night what they do They held a trial at night. When they had taken Jesus to the governor's palace of the praetorium, the Pharisees wouldn't go in. Because if they went in, that was Gentile territory, and they'd be defiled on the Sabbath. Never mind the lying and the scheming. We don't want to be defiled with Gentiles. So they'd take him before the high priest, And then before the Sanhedrin, in verse 55. And the accusation was that Jesus had threatened to destroy the temple. Now, he didn't. He did tell the disciples there will be not one stone unturned. uh, That won't be destroyed. He did say it's going to happen. He prophesied that. But he also said, destroy this temple, and I'll build a new one without hands. But he wasn't talking about that temple. He was talking about the temple of his body. it will be raised again. But the problem was, according to the law, you had to have two witnesses before you could put somebody to death. And they had several witnesses. And by the way, unlike our government, they weren't afraid to bribe somebody. Amen. They'd bribe you to get a testimony. They'd pay you for a false testimony. But they couldn't get two false testimonies to agree together. So the high priest is so frustrated. He's... He says, don't you have anything to say? Why aren't you answering us? And Jesus never said a word. By the way, how many know that's like another fulfillment of Isaiah 53? He was led to, as a lamb to slaughter. He never opened his mouth. So then the high priest asked him, I simply want to know, are you the Christ? Are you the Son of the Blessed? Meaning the, the Son of God. And Jesus said, he uses two words, I am. Now remember, that's important, folks. Not so much to us, but especially to the Jews. Because that was the name God told Moses And tell the people, I am who I am, has sent you. And as soon as the high priest hears what Jesus says, the Bible says he tears his clothes. Also a violation of the law, the Levitical law. The high priest was never, ever to tear his clothes. But for the Jews, what Jesus had just said was the highest form of blasphemy. A form a blasphemy, if you will, that the law requires death. <laughs> now hold on. Maybe Jesus didn't know when he said that there'd be curtains. He knew. But not only that, God can't lie, right? And so when the high priest says, Are you the Christ? What did Jesus say? I am. But he also says, he has he a footnote, there'll be a time when you're going to see me, the Son of Man, sitting on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of glory. So do you see the double emphasis here? I am, and here's what you're going to see one day. Bear with me here, all right? They went from having no witness degree, now they got how many witnesses? At least 70 who heard him say he was the Christ. He is the son of God. Wow. So he says, the high priest said, what do you think? What do they say? What's the verdict? That's it. He must die. He must die. And the Bible says, Mark tells us that some began to spit on him. Some began to pluck his beard. Some took the palms of the hand and slapped his face. Some covered his face and said, now prophesy to us. Oh, what a sad day. Now, I don't know about you, but I I, I think about that; It it sends chills up my spine. Because one of these days, those men are going to stand before God. And they're going to know that they crucified the only Savior God. Whatever sin. And my friend, what a day, awful day, that is going to be. Any question or any comment about our lesson today? Anything at all? How much time we got left, Jason? We got five minutes. Oh, good, good. Okay. Now, by the way, uh, we mentioned the Sanhedrin Council. Do you know what that was? What, what What could we compare in our country today to the Sanhedrin Council? Supreme Court. is the highest council in the U.S. land. Uh, if you remember back in the days of Moses, when uh, Moses' father-in-law came, Jethro to visit with Moses, and he began to see what Moses was trying to do by himself. He said, man, Moses, you've you, you lost your mind. You, you're trying to do too much at once. You know, appoint some men to help you with the lesser issues and divide the people up among these 70 men and let them handle the things they can handle. If they can't, let it bring it to you. But don't try to do it all yourself. And so many believe that's where the Sanhedrin Council got its beginnings uh, from those 70 men. But nonetheless, they were the ruling factor uh, in that particular land in the New Testament time. Also, uh, there were several different religious groups, but the two main ones were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they didn't get along. They couldn't agree on hardly anything, but one thing they agreed upon was Christ. He needed to be crucified. So they came together to do that. So here's our application. We need to follow the will of God even though we think we might be persecuted for doing that. Let's stand together. Next week, by the way, we'll be in Mark, uh, the last part of verse, chapter 15 and 16, from death to life. Father, thank you for your word. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless each one.